Because of you, Father, we have access to be able to walk in boldly into your presence, Lord, this morning. Knowing, Father, that there is a blood upon the mercy seat this morning. Lord, knowing that you hear us, Lord Jesus, and that you've not forgotten one of our prayers. Lord, you've not forgotten one of the things that we have spoken to you uh, to, uh, to you in our intimate moments when, when we were all alone and it was just, it was just us and you, Father. Lord, we speak those things even now into the atmosphere, Lord, by the word of prayer, Father. We recognize as your people, Father, that you're, you're our king, but we're your queen, Father. And we walk into your Shekinah glory this morning, recognizing, Lord, that you're here, recognizing that you have a purpose, recognizing that this is your, this is your will in man's life, that that we would surrender ourselves under the auspices of the Holy Ghost, Father. Lord, I pray, Father, that you'd reach out across this congregation today, Father. Lord, you see their hands, Lord. You see their hearts. You see their needs, Lord, even so, Father. Lord Jesus, and Lord, even myself, Lord, my hands raised, Lord, my heart's bowed before you. Lord, my life is laid out before you, Lord. I, I would ask, Lord Jesus, that... Lord, as Jeremiah would see the potter there and the clay, Father, I pray that you'd take every one of us today, Lord Jesus. Lord, you'd put us upon the wheel, Father, and you'd mold us by the word, Father, that you would just come and shape us according to the, the plan that you have for us. Let us be a vessel that'll be so full of the Holy Ghost and filled with your spirit, Lord Jesus. Lord, that we could be a witness in this dying generation. Lord, early this morning, Lord, you begin to deal with me on these things, Father. Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would come to your children just now. Lord, I, I know that you're, 
you're anticipating a day Lord to catch this one that you love oh to catch her away oh God I pray Lord that every person here that is under the sound of our voice Lord would make their self ready Father Lord, these are my friends. These are my loved ones, Lord. And Lord, I want to do everything within my human capacity to get out of the way so the Holy Spirit can move. Lord, I don't want to hurt one of these little children. Lord, I want to help them, Father, in every way possible. To the littlest child that has the understanding, Father, Lord, I want to help them. Lord, I pray that you would take, Lord, your word and you would begin to speak to us, Lord Jesus. You took the little children, Father, and you took time with them, Lord. Would you take time with us this morning? Lord, we feel you even now, Lord, and we just ask, God, that you'd come behind your word. And Lord, I know that there are those that are at home today that would love to be here because of circumstances. Lord, they're there, and I pray that you'd visit them in their homes today. You'd minister to them according to your word. We'd be careful to serve you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I would like to look over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. And then down to Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. I want to be remembering our pastor, Brother Ron, today. He'll be he ministered there last night, and the Lord would restore his strength. We want to pray that the Lord would restore his strength to him today, and, and he'll be speaking again later this evening. So we just want to be remembering Brother Ron. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. Wherefore, when he came, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body. Thou hast prepared for me. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10. We recognize that most of the Proverbs that were written by, they were written by King Solomon. And you go read any book in Barnes and Noble. And they'll tell you how to get wisdom. And you'll find that they grabbed most of their knowledge straight from the book of Proverbs. But when you go to studying out Proverbs 31, you'll find that it's a lady of grace that is writing this. You'll find that it's a woman that, that understands the power of Jesus Christ. It's Bathsheba that is, that is speaking these words. These are the words as they transition from Proverbs 31. And notice, notice what Solomon is writing here. And who can find a virtuous woman? 
for her price is far above rubies. May God bless his word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Verse 11 says, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool, wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands, her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her, her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth amongst the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles upon unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her husband, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Notice this lady is a lady of grace. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord shall, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. A virtuous woman, a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies. I'd like to speak to you today I'd like to speak to you on this thought that Vasti can never be an Esther and an Esther can never be a Vasti. So I'd like to continue our thought on experiencing the liberty of this message but recognizing who you are. You're not just one of the girls. You're not just one of the ladies that was setting out on the streets. You're his queen. And to think that today that one of the greatest treasures in life that God could give to a man is a godly wife. I'm going to give you some instruction, young brothers. One of the greatest things that man, that a man can receive in this life outside of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a godly wife. A woman that is faithful, a woman who is loyal, a, lo a woman that is honorable, a woman that is honest and trustworthy. A woman whose love, whose love, who loves beyond any barriers. She loves beyond any faults. Her love has no distance. Her love knows no bounds. The love that she has towards her husband, it is patient. 
Love is kind. It is, it is passionate. It is a woman, a woman that fears the Lord. That is, that is a godly woman that God gives it, that get, God gives unto man. It's the greatest gift that you can ever have is God giving a man a wife that is, that is true to him, a, that will be a real mother to his children, a woman that will have the same words that Ruth said when, when Orpah kissed Naomi, Naomi and went back to the, the gods of the Moabites. Here, Ruth began to speak these words, Entreat me not that I not leave thee or return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Thy people will be my people, and thy God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. You see, that's the kind of woman, that's the kind of wife that God wants today is a woman that is willing to go wherever he's willing to go. Where the Spirit of the Lord leads us, it will never be to a place that his grace of God cannot keep us. But to think that today that God, God wants a woman that has a kind of a love, like Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians and 13 that that charityth charity suffereth long love it is kind it love envieth not charityeth vaunteth not itself it's not puffed up it doth not behave itself unseemingly seeketh not her own it is not it's not easily provoked it thinketh no evil it rejoiceth not in iniquity but rejoiceth in truth it beareth all things it believes all things and hopeth in all things and it endures all things Notice what, what Paul said, that charity never fails. And you, you watch the love between a husband and a wife and you, you watch as it, as it begins to grow throughout, throughout the intimacy of, of throughout a courtship and then it moves, into, and it moves into a deeper relationship and you watch as that love begins to grow. It's a love that no man can break. It's a love that no man, that no man, it knows no bounds. And you watch as what love will do, it will drive men. It will drive men crazy sometimes, but it will also drive them to go to the depths of the world to save somebody to, to the one that they love it'll make a man from Grottos, Virginia marry a girl all the way in Marion, North Carolina love is a very powerful force and to think that, that we have and we express this, this human love, but to think about the love of Almighty God, the love that, that we see. And I, I believe that we have a great example that was set before us in, in Brother Homer and Sister Nancy and Brother Ron and Sister Connie. And you begin to see the love relationship. It's not a, it's not a relationship of hate. It's not a relationship of bondage, but it is a relationship that, it, that is based upon vows of, of promises that... They're not just hoping to keep. It's vows that they're going to keep because they vowed this not between one another, but they vowed that before Almighty God. And to think about the love that we have and, and you sitting there, you brothers and brothers and your sisters sitting there beside your, beside your mate this morning, you express that love in ways that, that nobody else can express it like, like you can express it. There's, there's nobody, when, when things are going wrong and you might be just a little bit moody, Brother Roger and Sister Ann just knows how to put her arm right, right up underneath of you and just calm you down and settle your nerves. It's just something about a wife that, 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 that she can calm you down when, when, you, when you're all flustered. And, and it's just the way that she has when you come in from a hot day's work. She's got that ice sweet tea and watermelon setting over there. She just knows exactly what you like. Maybe you like fried chicken or maybe you like a, a ribeye steak, but she knows what you like. And, 
and she's wanting to please you. Maybe, maybe you like waking up on Sunday mornings and getting biscuits and gravy, but it's something that she knows. I, I see somebody saying amen right there on that one. But it's something that she knows that you love. It's something that she's wanting to express. It isn't. It's that wife that is to you, brothers. She's not your doormat. She's your queen. She's the queen of your she's the queen of your house. She's the queen of your heart. She's the queen of your mind. Your whole mind and your whole your whole doing is to make sure that this wife is taken care of. And to think that today that that Christ ever since the garden of Eden has longed to rebuild that holy union between God and man between 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 that, that holy union that was started there back there in the garden of Eden. When Eve, which was deceived into breaking that union, God is desiring that type of union before, and he's desiring it right now. But we find that throughout the message, he said, you'll, you'll find that, that she'd been given, this woman had been given a sacred trust. That woman was not to break that trust of womanhood, the act between her and her mate, that, and, and to have her character and to raise her children to be honorable to her husband. And we recognize that a woman always types out the church. But this, this, this woman, this woman, because the church is considered a bride. You notice you're not a bride to anybody today, but you're a bride to the son of Jesus Christ, the son of almighty God. You see, a virtuous woman, who can find? But to think that of her price today, Proverbs 12 and 4 said that a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she maketh her, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness as in his bones. Now there's some people that are going to die and go to hell But there's some people that marry the wrong person And they live hell on earth today And I don't believe that anybody should have to live on hell on earth And I don't believe, I believe it's something that you ought to It's something that you ought to seek out earnestly It's not something that we, that we just venture into on our own But you want to find somebody that loves you That's got the character of Jesus Christ Young boys, young girls, go listen to the marriage of the Lamb And go listening to the the choosing of the bride it'll give you a great example of what Christ is looking for in his church but it also give you an example of what you should be looking for in a godly wife but you watch you watch this woman you see if a woman isn't connected with the man in trueness then it isn't her husband you see, if she's just living with him or if she's just taken a vow to live with and, and she's taken a, she took a wrong vow and she pledged to love him and she said that she loved him and she didn't do it, you see, all the time that man is deceived. But you see, there's one thing that we're not going to deceive Christ because he knows who his wife is. He knows who she is. You see, now watch what goes on in that relationship I, as we're just building this this morning. You, you watch in that relationship. First, it's a decision. And then next, it's, it's the engagement, then a promise. And then there's a ceremony. And in that ceremony is when the bride takes on the bridegroom's name and she goes through, she goes through all all of the, she goes through all of the elements of the relationships and she's carrying these things. And when the ceremony is over, she now takes on his name. But remember, but remember, she's no longer a church of 
the world, but she is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's not a church by a name, but she is the bride of Jesus Christ by a birth, by a nature, by the power of God, by the revealed truth. You see, when Eliezer, when you go to studying over in the book of Genesis, and you see when, when Abraham was desiring a wife for his son Isaac, that he sent out a servant of his, of, the, of his kingdom and he come there and he laid his hand upon his thigh and he took an oath that he would take a wife out of that, out of that land there. But you watch as Eliezer, as the pressure was getting on him, as, as it was coming die, as it was coming due of the evening time, that Eliezer began to pray. And he began to pray a certain prayer that when this woman comes forth to this well, that she would do exactly as I have said, that she'll water us and she'll water these camels. You see, Eliezer was hunting for a bride. And when, when, when Rebecca came there, what did she do? She moved right into the anointing of the prayer of William Branham. And she moved right in there. But notice what it was. He had found her by the witness of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, he didn't just pick her out. She was elected by Almighty God. You see, God just wasn't up in heaven saying any, many, mighty, mo, catch a tiger by his toe. I'll choose this one or I'll choose that one. God elected you before you could ever had a choice, before you ever could have made a decision. You didn't have a choice to do with this. Your choice took you down bad roads. Your choice led you down to other lovers. But this choice, his choice, chose you before the foundation of the world. And Rebecca moved under the anointing of the message of the hour, and she watered the camels that would take her back to her Isaac. Hallelujah. She was a woman with character, a woman that would display you that when her mother and her brother said, why don't, why don't you just let the bride stay here a little bit longer? When the Methodist said, no, you gotta stay here with us. When the Lutheran said, no, you gotta stay here with us. The servant said, let her make her choice. Let her make her choice. That's why Brother Brandon would preach in 1955 on the power of God and the power of Satan and the power of your decision. You see, you've got the power to choose him today. You see, he already chose you, but what's your choice? You're standing at the altar. The rings are here. The bridal gown is on, but what is your choice today? We already know his choice. We already know his choice. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for you at Calvary. So woman with character. You remember, you remember the, the Chicago boss's son. The son of the armor and company. The man that had all, all the fields. The man that had all the wealth. He could have had any maiden in the land, but this Boaz wanted one. He wasn't one that would reflect himself. This, this, this rancher's son, he, they, they went there and he, he had went out, there had went out a decree that he was looking for a wife. He was looking for a wife and, and there, see, there you know the story that she began to, there, there, those girls they begin to dress up and they begin, to, they begin to put on all their dress and they begin to look the part and how they could please him. They begin to think about what life would be like back in the big city, what, what it would be like. So they begin to dress up like the girls from the city. You see, God's 
not wanting a girl that looks like the rest of the world. He's wanting a lady that is dressed according to his promises that are laid out in, in Deuteronomy, that are laid out in 1 Corinthians 11. He's wanting a lady that's, that, that has decorated herself like Esther decorated herself. What does the king like? You see, it's not about what I like. It's not about what, what the world wants. It's not about what the church religion of the religiosity of the world is preaching or, or their ideas of what Christ is. What does he want? I believe that today that there's a bride that has moved into the auspices of the Holy Ghost, that is moving right into the rhythm of the music, of the message of the hour, and she's being dressed in this fine linen. She's wrapped herself in this body word. She's wrapped herself in the blood of Jesus Christ. She looks the part. She's not just looking the part. She's not just looking the part. I'll say this. She is the part. She is his wife. She is his queen. She is his everything. She's everything that he's been waiting for. Hallelujah. If he was looking for Methodists, he'd have took a rapture in, in Luther's day or in Wesley's day. But it wasn't that what he was looking for. He was looking for a wife that had liberty. He was looking for a wife that had been set free. You see, there was so many chains upon her in Luther's day. There were so many chains upon her in Methodist day that she couldn't put on the full garment. But under the revelation of the seven seals, she's put on the wedding garment. And Brother Branham said in the marriage of the lamb that the bride has the material to dress herself with. If you don't dress yourself, it's your own fault. You've been given the greatest message that's ever received in this land. You can dress yourself under the ministry of Malachi 4. Vasti will never be an Esther, and Esther will never be a Vasti. He can have anybody. He's a mighty man of wealth. He can have anybody, but he wants you. You think about how great this God is. He could have anybody he wanted to. He didn't have to die, but he died for you. He could have had, he could have had, he could have, he could have took it. He could have took it the way he wanted to, but he wanted you. You think, you think where the bride was in 1977, but you weren't even here, most of you. But because God so wanted you, he designed it that he would give us a space where we would repent and turn back to him so that we could be his wife. How did she see, how did he see her? How did he see her? He didn't see her in some great garment. He didn't see her. He didn't see her dressed up with all the girls out there in the dance party of the world. He didn't see her with fingernail polish on. He didn't see her with, a, with blue eyes and makeup all over her face and blush all over her. But he watched her when he stepped outside. When he stepped outside of glory, he watched her as she began to work in the field. He watched Ruth. He watched how she handled herself. He watched how this little girl, as she was moved, how that she was, she was, she would look like a little Cinderella to us. And she was out there, she was walking barefooted. She come before him, humble. 
and she was casting out the dishwater doing the work he recognized that there was something about this girl that he was longing for he said in about a year I'm coming back for you everybody might make fun of you everybody might say he's not coming back for you you may everybody might say it was just a joke but God has had a desire and God will not lie. He's not a man that he would lie. He's not, he's not obligated to your feelings, but he is obligated to his word. And he said he never leave you and he never forsake you. I'll be with you even in you till the end of the world. Little lady of grace, let me say this to you. Rapture season is at hand. Hallelujah. God's desire for a wife to have queen authority to operate like a queen. If you're in the kingdom, you carry yourself differently. If you're in a kingdom, you handle yourself differently because you got kingdom authority. God's wanting a wife that's not like Israel that went a whoring after other gods. He's wanting a wife that'll stay true to him that'll stay true to him in good times, that'll straight to stay good to him in sickness and in health. He's wanting a wife that when he asks for her presence, she comes. When Vashti decided, no, I'm not going down to the king's banquet. What did it do? When the Jews shut down the door, it opened the door for Esther. Let me tell you what they were screaming up there on Calvary's hill. Let his blood be upon us. They don't recognize what they were doing. They were opening the door for the Gentiles. What did he do? He turned the gospel towards you. And what did it do? A people that were without God, a people that were not even considered in the picture, it turned God's liberty loose on the church of the living God. He said, we know that the modern church in its present condition and its present state's in no condition to finish up the great commission that God gave the church for this day. He, he would say on the invisible union, he said, we know that the church could not, the Pentecostal church by no means could carry out the last day's message in its present condition. He said, why I can't even agree with one word, one word in the Bible. He said, but it's going to be an elected people that is elected for it. Do you recognize how powerful that you are, that you are elected to carry this message out? Do you recognize what Rebecca was receiving when she was down there and it took her all day long, an eight-hour day work, watering those camels? What was she doing? She was watering the power that would take her back to her Isaac. And what it is, when you begin to worship under the presence of Almighty God, there goes out a hallelujah. There goes out an amen. There goes out a glory. Hallelujah. And it comes out. What are you doing? You are watering the power of the Holy Ghost. That'll take you in the rapture it'll take you to your Isaac that'll meet you in the sky there's no way that he can leave you Esther Ruth I want you to know your Boaz will not leave you but he's going out and make a public testimony and kicking off his shoe and say I'm worthy enough to take her I'm big enough to handle her I'm big enough I'm strong enough I've got enough wealth Oh, but you don't know the scars that's on her life. I'm big enough for that. You don't know the stagnant. You don't know where she's been at. She was a Moabitess. It doesn't matter what I'm getting ready to pour out. It's enough to wash all the Moabite off of her. What am I going to do with this, Ruth? I am going to play out the part of my Gentile wife. 
Just like Caleb and Joshua were elected to go in there and they were elected to possess and fulfill the promise that was given to Abraham, so was this bride elected to carry out this message. Brother Branham said, may I add to this woman grace? Hallelujah. May I place her in the Bible? Also called the elect lady, he said, like the virgin, like the virgin was to bring forth the body of God on the earth. She was an elected woman. God chose Mary. He said, and also God has chosen an elected lady, which is his bride. She's elected. They can make fun of you all they want to. They can say, they can say that he's not coming back for you. But I want you to know that the prophet said that before the foundation of the world, he slipped on your fingers the, un the unmerited wedding brand of almighty grace. He slipped on your fingers the unmerited band of grace upon you before you could ever get in trouble. Before you got in your circumstances, before you had a wrecked up life, before you let your children go, before you made bad decisions, he slipped it on you. He elected you to this kingdom. I'll tell you what, he elected to you this kingdom and there ain't no power in hell that can keep you from this kingdom. There ain't one sickness that'll keep you from it. There ain't one disease. There ain't one demon. There ain't one tormenting spirit that'll keep you from this kingdom. If God has elected it for you, it's for you. Let me tell you, he knows exactly what you want, queen of heaven. He's got walls of jasper. He's got gates of pearl. He's got streets of gold. He's got a river that's running from it. And, there's, and as Matthew spoke last night, he is the light of that city. He knows what you want when you don't even know what you want. He said, but you watch. He said, when you see women go on a rampage, and just doing anything that they want to do. He said, do you watch the church? She's doing the same thing. You want to watch where the church is, you watch where women are at. If you want to watch where the bride is, watch where Israel's at. But you watch. Women are on a rampage. They're doing anything they want to. If there is a liberation of anything, Brother Branham said, it is a liberation of women's rights in this day. Don't get mad at me. I'm quoting your prophet. But you watch, you watch women are on a rampage and are doing anything they want to say, this is my body. But I happen to believe that this is his body. And I, I, you, can do, you can do what you want to out in Laodicea with your body. But with God's body, I'm going, I'm going to treat it like it's a temple of God. I'm going to handle it like it's a house. It's the house of Almighty God. I'm going to dress it like it's a house of God. I'm going to treat it like it's a house of God. I ain't going to put no holes in it. Because if we start putting holes in the body, what have we got? We've got a watered-down gospel. And we're trying to put our ideas to it. And you watch what you're doing. You're trying to get a gospel full of holes instead of a full gospel when you start putting holes in the body when you start painting up the barn and trying to make it look better than it was God wants his church the way he started it and God will have his church the way he'll finish it the way he started it and if he started it like that in Pentecost it's going to have to end that way right now and there is a body on earth today that has dressed herself in the robes of his righteousness yeah the church is doing what they want to and the women's doing what they want to but you watch this last day bride She's dressing herself in his righteousness and there is a message that is sweeped out that is gonna catch this bride. Hallelujah, the message got through and we're still here. 
Hallelujah. We know what power we're under. We understand the influence that we're under. Jesus told us, he told us what the Holy Ghost would be. It would be three things to us. It would be a God, it would be a comforter, and it would be the spirit of truth. And we know exactly where the Holy Ghost has led us to. It has led us to this seventh star. And I'm so thankful that God seen fit to release the character of William Branham in this day, a man that we can relate to, a man that, a man that, a man that didn't lie to us, a man that was true, a man that was a rugged man, a man of faith, a man that admitted that he was a man that he admitted that he was a man I can have confidence in a man that proves that he's a man and he said he said I'm not preaching to you myself I'm preaching to you Jesus Christ this seven star had characteristics that would pull out a bride of this last day and because of the light in this day there's a bride that's standing on earth today she's not sitting down she's not sitting over in a corner this bride is standing to her feet Watch what he did. He drawed you to himself. You remember, you remember in 1933 when Brother Branham was baptizing at the, at, the, at the foot of Spring Street right there on the Ohio River. And he's there baptizing. And I believe the newspaper said it was 5,000 people that had lined that, had lined that riverbank and they were there watching it. And the newspaper actually carried it up there in Canada that a mystic light shined over top of a local minister while he was baptizing out there on the Ohio River. And you remember as Matthew went through the event last night, you remember that, that, as, that as that star began to come down, that mystic star began to come over the man that was out there baptizing his 17th person as he was baptizing out there in the Ohio River, that the, that the water began to churn around William, around William Branham. And he's, as he's getting ready to baptize, there was a voice that came out. It said, as John the Baptist forerun the first coming of Christ, so will your message, William Branham, forerun the second coming of Christ. Now, Sister Mita, Sister Mita said that when, when that happened, it was actually Brother Branham's voice that spoke out right there. I, and it doesn't matter to me whose voice it was. I recognize that this was that. I, it doesn't matter to me if it was William Branham's voice because I recognize that that is Revelations 10, 7. I recognize, recognize that that is Malachi 4. It is his voice. It is his voice that God called in this day. But I didn't hear just William Branham's voice. I heard God's voice. You see, that's the problem with so many people today that get their eyes on the man. I didn't fall in love with Eliezer. I am Rebecca. I am falling in love with my Isaac. Yes, I appreciate Eliezer. Yes, I thank him for bringing the camels to me. Yes, I thank him for going to my, going to my mothers and my brothers, but I am not marrying Eliezer. I am marrying my Isaac. And as Rebecca met her Isaac out in the field, so will this bride meet her bridegroom in the middle of the air. Brother Branham said that, people said that was psychology that come down there. He said, but he come down and he shut the mouths of the unbelievers because he stayed with the word. To think that that pillar of fire, Brother Branham would go to talking about that pillar of fire and he began to speak about it and said people thought that was psychology and people, people had disbelieved that. He said, but he stopped their mouths. And he began to talk about that that's the same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. He said, matter of fact, here he comes now. 
Now, I know, I know many of you, many of you have sat here and you've seen the pillar of fire. There were some of you that seen it at Brother Steve Thomas's funeral. There are some of you that seen it even in the past few weeks, and there's some of you that seen it in years gone by. But to me, but to me, whether you see it or whether you don't, to look at that pillar of fire that's hanging over William Branham, Brother Branham said, he said, it's a greater vindication to recognize that that's the pillar of fire than to see it with your own eyes because your eyes can play tricks on you. So don't go, don't, don't get, I'm just going to speak to you in the natural just for a moment. Don't you get disheartened because you've never seen something in the natural or maybe, maybe you didn't see, but if you can recognize, if you can recognize that that's the same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel, it's just as much grace to you as somebody that has seen it. Do you recognize, do you recognize Recognize what a liberty that has been brought to us by the message of the hour that we're not sitting here wondering who we are. We're not sitting here wondering do we have the Holy Ghost or do we not have the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful for this message. If it wouldn't have been for this message there would have been a lot of people that would have disqualified everybody sitting here there have been a whole lot of people that have sat here and never spoken tongues one time that would have been disqualified from the Pentecostal movement. But Brother Branham said, he said that is not the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said what the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost is is to be able to say amen to every single word of God. I'd rather you say amen to every single word of God than all of you speaking in tongues at one time. I'd rather you be able to have charity. I'd rather you have love. Have the love towards Almighty God but love this message. I appreciate your hand claps. I appreciate your praises but when you can say amen to the word of God it means that you're saying so be it Lord Jesus. I appreciate I appreciate your shouts. I appreciate your hallelujahs. But when you're identifying yourself that you believe all of this message to be the truth, you're putting yourself in the same boat with Jesus. Now that ought to liberate you. It ought to set you free because some of you have been sitting there under a devil that's told you well, you ain't never spoken tongues and you ever never did see the supernatural. I just liberated you by a prophet's message. You have been set free. You recognize that's what men was wanting to do? They were wanting to clamp down the Holy Spirit and say this is only for our group. I know some of you were, some of you were with a, with individuals, and they begin to ask you, "You believe in speaking in tongues?" So yeah, yeah. When the anointing gets on us, yeah. When the Spirit of the Lord wants to move on through us and, and work through us, you see, you see, to the Pentecostal group, they 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 teach that you ain't even got the Holy Ghost unless you speak in tongues. They'll give you a book. They'll set you over in a corner and give you a class on how to just jammer and stammer and just, just put a few clicks and clacks together and all of us, now you've got the Holy Ghost. Well, let me tell you this. If just clicking and clacking gives you the Holy Ghost, then every duck out there on the pond's got it. But we ain't a bunch of people that's clicking and clacking. We know exactly who we are. We know that we've been redeemed. We know that we're sitting under a prophet's message. We're not just sitting here wondering who we are. Do we have it or do we not? Have you received the message? Have you received the, the person of Jesus Christ? It's not about a tape. You've heard me say it a hundred times. But young girls, it ain't just about having a picture. It ain't just about just being able to recognize William Branham as a prophet. But it's being able to be identified with the same pillar fire that you met him face to face life to life when brother Branham is preaching 
Brother Branham's preaching that. And he starts talking about that star that come down over the Ohio River. And he starts talking about it. He said, matter of fact, here he comes now. He said, look. He said, God never parts from his commission. God never parts from his commission. And I was, me and, me and Sister Katie, we were riding back from a meeting uh, a while back. We were riding back from a meeting. And we were coming across the Ohio River. And we were just kind of going over these things. We were, we were illustrating it and rehearsing what had happened down there in 1933, what happened down there at that river. We began to speak about that. And Katie spoke up and said these words and said to think that here you are carrying on his commission and preaching this message. And when she spoke those words, there was a being that, that dropped into the car. He dropped into the car because it identified that we are carrying on this last day's message when the Pentecostals wouldn't carry it on. There's a people that's elected to carry it on. And I want you to know that being set there, we fellowship with that being. We recognize who it was. And I'll tell you how upset the devil got because of a being got in the room. I come to as close as being in a wreck and killing somebody that I've ever come in my life. There was a man that was working out in the street, a, a highway worker, and he didn't even have a clue. I was behind him, had headphones on. He was standing out in the middle of the road, and I was able to get the vehicle stopped feet away from running over top of that man. If it would not have been for that, for that being being in that car, I'd have been a murderer today. But because, but because there was an angel that stepped into a car, it kept you. Let me preach to you on yourself right here. Because there was a being that guarded you, that guided you, that kept you. It led you to this truth. It led you to this message. It kept you from being a murderer. It kept you from being a drug addict. It kept you from being an alcoholic. It kept you from the world. And it made you a lady of grace. Yes, I believe that angel's still here. I'll tell you what, I moved. I moved like never before. We're in the greatest season that we've ever been in. We're in the greatest hour that we've ever been in. We're in the greatest closing hours of the ministry that we've ever been in. And to think where we are as a body of Jesus Christ, it moves me. It hits me in my gut. It, it moves me. So if I'm going to do anything, if we've only got a few moments of time, I'm going to do what I was called to do. I'm not going to do what men say that I should do. I'm going to do what God said for me to do. And I'm going to preach this message. I'm going to preach it harder. I'm going to preach it harder. I'm going to preach it straight. I'm going to preach it because God has come commissioned us to preach this message and get himself a wife a wife that has made herself ready so let's live this message if there's anything worth living for it's this message if there's anything worth dying for it's this message it's none other than Jesus Christ if we expect our young girls to be filled with the Holy Ghost let's preach the message if we expect our young boys to stay away from homosexuality let's preach the message if we expect our young girls not get impregnated by some rotten scoundrel let's preach the message so excuse me, I'm just preaching what William Branham preached. And I believe if I preach what William Branham preached, it'll provide Jesus Christ the messenger, a lady of grace. Yeah. 
I've experienced this message. You've experienced this message. If it would not have been for this message, Sarah, if it wouldn't have been for this message, your story would have been different. If it wouldn't have been for this message, you would not be here. But thank God, there was a message that went out and said, come out of her, my people. To think about where you're sitting at today. God so wanted you that he wouldn't let dirty hands on you. God so wanted you that no devil in hell Mamas, it'll be the same message. If you keep it before your children, it'll be the same message that'll provide for you. Hallelujah. Where are we living at? Where are we living at? We're not living in the restoration of the gifts. We're living right here. Where we're so close that you can study. You can study and he, he comes off the pages and he sits down beside you. I asked Michael Ray when he was going through Brother Ed Biscoe's testimony Hoskins said, what, what stood out to you the most? It's your granddaddy being a eyewitness with the prophet of the Lord. What stood out to you the most? He said, what stood out to me the most is when Brother Eddie, when it come to his hour of work, when it come to his time for his lunch break, he didn't take it like other men took it. He set out a chair for himself. And he set out a chair for the Lord. And he said he would just bump knees, just want to converse and fellowship with him. We have entertained him. We have washed his feet. We've poured our anointing upon him. Thank God we love you. God we worship. God, we thank you. Now, I, I know what it's like for us as human beings. I know what it's like for us as human beings. Like the presence that you're in right now, I know what it's like for you. You don't want to leave it. You just want to stay right there at his feet. You just, you long, as soon as we dismiss today, you'll start talking about next week yet. You'll start talking about, oh, I just can't wait to get back into his presence. And it creates a worship. And it creates a praise. Now, I know what it's like for us as human beings. And this is what I'm wanting to get to you, children. I know what it's like for us to long to be in his presence. But can you imagine the anticipation of Almighty God? I've waited for 2,000 years. They barred me at the doors of creeds and dogmas. They barred me at there. They wouldn't let me in. But Brother Branham said in the Feast of the Trumpets, he said she's going to be liberated. There's finally a church that has put on the full garment. I've waited. 
Eve failed me. The ecclesiastical moves, they failed me. The church world, they failed me. But Brother Burnham said in Christ, the mystery of God revealed that this bride is predestinated not to fail him. She will have queen authority. She'll be bone of his bone, life of his life, power of his power, anointing of his anointing. Now you're aware. You're already aware that he's here. Let me just express this just a little bit deeper. Because you are who you are, I have come to you. Because you are who you are, Esther, you will never be a vasty. You will never. You will never refuse my presence. You will never push me away. You'll never say you'll not come to my banquet. But because I summoned you, you have came. You have came. I have longed for you. As the Song of Solomon said, I have found the one that my soul has longed for. Oh, she is my doe. She is my everything. Oh, she is great. She is decked in splendor. I tried dressing her through the 2,000 years and she'd come as close as she would ever be in Acts. That's why I caused a preview in this day. I caused a preview in this day. There she came forth. Her garments were spotless. But I watched the church of every age and then I watched the church of America. And William Branham said, oh God. After all this circling the years, this circling these worlds, is that the best that I can offer you? But there was a voice. It said the bride will come and preview again. She'll be just like she was back there at the book of Acts. To think about today that God has waited for an hour of restoration. That God has always had a people that he would represent him here on earth. And thank God that the book of Joel has come to pass. That I will restore all the years that the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. They ate off of her. The Catholic system tried to eat away the grace of God. The powers of Satan tried to eat away the power of God. But there was a message of restoration. And God, I know some of you ain't ready for it, but I'm telling you to get ready because God has anticipated this hour. God has anticipated resurrection morning and it's just around the corner when the prophet said that it was between the hours of six and nine. He would tell us that it's coming by our way. I'm telling you get ready because God has longed for this hour. we are gathered here in the sight of God and all of these witnesses 
this lady had spent a long time preparing herself. She wanted everything right. She wanted her hair right according to 1 Corinthians 11. She wanted her dress wear according to Ephesians 4. She wanted her baptism correctly right according to Acts 2. And she wanted to come before him like Ephesians 5. She wanted to come before him. She spent the day getting her hair just right. She spent the day getting the gown, all the wrinkles out of it. Because this is a bride that will be without spot. She'll be without wrinkle. The music is playing in the background. The ushers are taking their place as all the angels sit around and sit back and watch. Everything's in order. Now you've seen weddings, but you've never seen a wedding like this. You've seen lilies, but you've never seen lilies like this. You've seen roses, but you've never seen them like this. As the music begins to play, it begins to echo out a love song to him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go to a wedding, there's a lot of people that have their eyes on the bride. But I always turn my gaze to look at the bridegroom because he's seeing her for the very first time dressed the way she's dressed. Let me take you just a little bit further here. The Lord Jesus Christ has been watching you make yourself ready. He's not like us in our human capacity. He's here to make sure that the dress fits the right way. He's making sure that you don't cut it off too short. That you don't cut off a little John 3.16 and Acts 4. He's making sure that, you, that you're decorating yourself right. He's wanting to make, he is so wanting you to get all of these details just right that he gives you over 1,200 sermons to dress yourself with. As the minister takes his place and the groom takes his place, that bridegroom to be, his heart is pounding like never before. You know what it's like. You know what it's like when you see the one that you love. Put on the gown. Put on the gown that you paid for. And as everybody rises, as all the angels gather around and watch her walk in through the courts, there come out a call, let all rise. 
I've waited for this day. Rebecca, it's time to climb on. I'm the one that built you this way. I'm the one that designed you. I'm the one that set this up. I formed you before the foundation of the world and you are mine. 
You don't belong to another. Thou art mine. Thou art my love. When others would not go, you've made a choice. And because is in this room something's wrong and it needs to be fixed you've served yourself you've served the world now it's turn it's your turn to serve him now wife of heaven let me speak to you as a queen. The anticipation has been met. His expectation has been manifested. Father, 
stop. It stopped. We've been carried into an atmosphere that Henry Ford never imagined to get into. The man that made the first wagon wheel, he never imagined that we'd be here. Luther thought we'd never get to a spot of this level. Wesley thought it was good enough at sanctification. The Pentecostals thought they had it when they had the restoration of the gifts. But this is a chamber that only the destined get into. This is the tube of the Holy Ghost. And only astronauts with an atmosphere that's built for there can get him in this tube for rapture. Oh God, it's time for takeoff. I feel the engines, the engines begin to roar. We can feel the countdown beginning. But you've not counted down, Lord, like man has counted down. You counted from one to seven. And we're at zero hour. Father, take us, Lord. Make us, Lord, exactly like you've destined. Move us, Lord, like never before. church I don't know I don't know what he's doing but he's here he's here for you that are on the internet he's here for you that are in this body he's here for you today and if you've got a need ask that your joy might be full Yeah. Hey. 
everything and that is why I sing oh Jesus I love you because you care I couldn't imagine if you Jesus, I love you, oh, because you care, I couldn't imagine if you weren't there. Shelter me from harm, 
Yeah. 